Good evening and welcome to our Bible study and as you know we're going through the book of Revelation and this evening we're going to look at Revelation chapter 12, we're going to start at verse 7 of that chapter and read through to verse 17, so let's read that together. Revelation 12 and verse 7. And there was war in heaven, Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and the dragon and his angels fought back, but he was not strong enough and they lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was held down, that ancient serpent called the devil, or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. He was held to the earth, and his angels with him. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. For the accuser of our brothers, who accuses them before our God day and night, has been held down. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. They didn't love their lives so much as to shrink, as to shrink from death. Therefore rejoice, you heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to the earth and the sea, because the devil has gone down to you. He is filled with fury, because he knows that his time is short. When the dragon saw that he'd been held to the earth, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. The woman was given the two wings of a great eagle, so that she might fly to the place prepared for her in the desert, where she would be taken care of for a time, times and half a time, out of the serpent's reach. Then from his mouth, he spewed, he, the serpent spewed water like a river to overtake the woman and sweep her away but the with the torrent. But the earth helped the woman by opening its mouth and swallowed the river that the dragon had spewed out of his mouth. Then the dragon was enraged at the woman and went off to make war against the rest of her offspring those who obey God's commands and hold to the testimony of Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again for this time that we can spend around your word, and we just ask your blessing upon us as you lead us through this passage that we might see more of who you are and of the great authority you have over all things. And we ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Okay, so Revelation 12, the second part of that chapter, Satan's continued attempts to thwart God's plan. You know, in the book of Joel, we were given a small but important window into what was happening in heaven at the time of Job's suffering. Now, what we don't know is what happened during those dark hours when Jesus breathed his dying breath on the cross or during those days and nights as his body lay in the grave. But here in chapter 12 of Revelation, we move from what was happening on earth at the time to what was happening in heaven. So on earth, Revelation 12, verse 5 to 6, we read, She gave birth to a son, a male child, who will rule all the nations with an iron scepter. And her child was snatched up to God and to his throne. The woman fled into the wilderness to a place prepared for her by God, where she might be taken care of for 1,260 days. 
You see, at the birth of Jesus, Satan attempted to have the child killed. Then during the earthly life, the life of Jesus, Satan attempted to distract and destroy him. But Jesus conquered death and rose from the dead. So, in heaven, verse 7 of chapter 12, Then war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. You see, at the death of Jesus, the dragon, who we know is Satan, saw himself as being the victor. In his attempts to thwart God's plan of salvation, Satan had already deceived Adam and Eve. We read about that in Genesis 3. He'd already made false accusations against Job. We read that in the book of Job, particularly in Job chapters 1 and 2. Satan tried to tempt Jesus away from his mission. We read that in Matthew chapter 4. But when Jesus rose from the dead, Satan suffered the faith. When Jesus rose from the dead, Satan suffered defeat. And the faithful of Israel and the apostles who were already part of Israel would start to take God's message of forgiveness to the rest of the world. And that message would now go to both Jew and Gentile, who, on acceptance of Jesus, would become part of God's church. The result of this was that war broke out in heaven. And John, in his vision, is told that Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. So let's stop for a moment ask the question, who is Michael? Well, he is referred to in Scripture as the archangel Michael. We read this in Jude verse 9. But even the archangel Michael, when he was disputing with the devil about the body of Moses, did not himself dare to condemn him for slander, but said, The Lord rebuke you. You see, Michael is seen as being a heavenly opponent, an opponent who stands against the enemy of God and of God's people. In Daniel chapter 12, verse 1, we read these words, and these words are accredited, uh, accredited to referring to the end times. It actually tells us in the body of that text. But verse 1 of Daniel 12, At that time, Michael, the great prince who protects your people, will arise. There will be a time of distress, such as has not happened from the beginning of nations until then. But at that time, your people, everyone whose name is found written in the book, will be delivered. So let's go back to Revelation chapter 12. What was the result of the heavenly battle between Satan and Michael? Well, verse 8 of Revelation 12 tells us, But he, that is Satan and his followers, but he was not strong enough, and they lost their place in heaven. So we go on to Revelation 9. The great dragon was hurled down, that ancient snake called the devil or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. He was held to the earth and his angels with him. So what was the result of the heavenly battle that raged on earth? Revelation 12. She gave birth to a son, 
a male child, who will rule all nations with an iron scepter, and her child was snatched up to God and to his throne. So Jesus, the one who died and rose again from the dead, ascended up to God to take up his throne and to rule all nations. This was the final blow that heralded Satan's defeat, the resurrection of Jesus. So we read on in Revelation 12 and verse 10 where the voice of victory rings out. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have come the salvation and the power of the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah. For the accursed of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God day and night has been held down. So is victory. And how was this victory won? The battle that went on in heaven while the battle was going on here on earth. Well, Revelation 12 verse 11. They triumphed over him. That is over the devil. They triumphed over him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. They didn't love their lives so much as to shrink from death. So what do we have here? The gospel. The blood of the Lamb. The sacrifice of Jesus. And the word of their testimony. This is the gospel witness of his followers. You see, when Jesus died and rose again, the fulfillment of the promise given to Abraham and his descendants, the promise that their faith was in the one who was to come. Because Jesus was the means by which they, the Old Testament saints, have also been redeemed. So the victory song in verse 12, Therefore rejoice you heavens and you who dwell in them. But woe to the earth and the sea, because the devil has gone down to you. He is filled with fury because he knows that his time is short. So in these verses we see that the the victory is secure, but the war is not over. The defeated enemy, whose time is short, will divert his attention. Verse 13. When the dragon saw that he had been held to the earth, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. A pause for thought here about who the woman represents. The woman is not Mary, the mother of Jesus, who is being pursued by the dragon. Now, while the image of the woman alludes to Mary and includes Mary, the woman in John's vision symbolizes more than just one person. She represents the faithful of Israel under the old covenant and the followers of Jesus under the new covenant, God's church. And for God's church while here on earth, she will be pursued by the dragon, who is Satan. You see, the dragon's attention is now on God's church. 
Now, last week we read in Revelation chapter 12, and in, that's the beginning part of this chapter, and in verse 6, we read the woman fled into the wilderness to a place prepared for her by God, where she might be taken care of for 1,260 days. Now, when we looked at this last week, we said that it alluded to the time recorded for us in Exodus when the Lord led the nation of Israel through the wilderness. And we said that the wilderness can be a dangerous place, but this is where the Lord took his people, Israel. After freeing them from slavery, he took them to a place where he would nourish and protect them as he prepared them for the next part of their plan. The coming of the Messiah. The Messiah who will bring salvation. Now in John's vision after the birth and resurrection of Jesus, the woman fled to a place where the Lord would nourish and protect her as she prepared, or as she was prepared, for the next part of God's plan. And that is the return of Jesus. Now as we said, the wilderness can be a dangerous place but it is the place of spiritual refuge where the Lord has taken his people, the church, after freeing them from the slavery of sin into a place where he is nourishing, protecting and preparing them for the next part of his plan, the return of Jesus. But this time, when he returns, he will bring judgment. This evening in Revelation twelve fourteen continues on from what we read in Revelation 12, verse 6, as the woman fled into the wilderness. So we read in verse 14, the woman was given the two wings of a great eagle, so that she might fly to the place prepared for her in the wilderness, where she would be taken care of for a time, times, and half a time out of the snake's reach. This is the place of refuge for the church, where they would be protected from the devil who might harm the body, but not the soul. Now the two wings of a great eagle that are referred to here are symbolic of God's protection. God's protection of his people as expressed in Exodus 19 verse 3 and 4. Then Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain and said, This is what you are to say to the descendants of Jacob, and what you are to tell the people of Israel. You yourselves have seen what I did in Egypt, and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. This is the picture that will come into John's mind as he sees the vision. And then we can go to the words of the Song of Moses. We find that in Deuteronomy chapter 32. And this is what it says in verse 10 to 12 of that chapter. In the desert land he found him, in a barren and howling waste. He shielded him and cared for him. He guarded him as the apple of his eye, like an eagle that stares up its nest and hovers over its young that spreads its wings to catch them and carries them on its pinions. The Lord alone led him to the, no foreign God was with him. You see, in this passage, Jacob's seed, Israel, are being carried through the wilderness by the Lord. And this reminds me of the poem, Footsteps 
in the sand, where God carries his people when they don't realize that it's God who is carrying them. You see, the eagle, again, is picture language. It's representative of God's care and protection. So let's go back to Revelation 12 and look at verse 15 through to 16. Then from his mouth the snake spewed water like a river to overtake the woman and sweep her away with the torrent. But the earth helped the woman by opening its mouth and swallowing the river that the dragon had spewed out of his mouth. You see, Satan's attack is described as being a river, a river designed to carry the woman away. But the Lord protects her. Revelation 12, verse 17. The dragon was enraged at the woman and went off to wage war against the rest of her offspring. Those who keep God's commandments and hold fast their testimony about Jesus. Listen to those words again. Those who keep God's commandments and hold fast their testimony about Jesus. This is God's church. The woman, the faithful of Israel, has other offspring who are both Jew and Gentile and who are the followers of Jesus. Just ask another question as we consider these things. How does God today protect and sustain his people? Well, we know that he does. But sometimes we might feel as though he doesn't. And as we go through the book of Revelation, God speaks to us about the past, the present and the future. And because we don't fully understand it, we need to be encouraged as we wait for the return of Jesus. You know, there's parallels here with us and with the faithful of Israel. We see all this right through, right through Scripture, but here in the book of Revelation. And the faithful of Israel often felt like this as they waited for the coming Messiah, especially through times of trouble, when the nations rose up against them, when they were delivered into the hands of the Babylonians. They must have felt lost, neglected, and they must have wondered what God was doing. Why was this happening? So, as we finish this evening... I want us to remind ourselves of the time that the Lord brought words of comfort to his people, Israel, through the prophet Isaiah. I want us to look at Isaiah chapter 40. We have words from God that will comfort his people, Israel, and they are words that are not just for Israel. They are words that can bring comfort to us those of us in his church, in the days in which we live. And what I'd like you to do is, please read the full chapter, but for now, for this evening, I've just selected a few verses as we stand, as it were, with the first hearers of these words. As we stand in our confusion, when they stood in their confusion, 
and when God spoke to them in these words. Just a few verses from that um, chapter, but you read it right through. Isaiah 40, verse 1 and 2. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hands double for all her sins. Now this sounds as though the faithful of Israel are really struggling as they feel at the work that they're doing, that they are faithful to God, but it seems to be in vain because of the times they're going through. Listen to how the Lord comforts them as he confirms that their work is not in vain and that the promised Messiah, the one that they are waiting for, who hasn't come yet, but this is a promise that he will come. And Isaiah gives that promise here as we read verse 3 and 5 of Isaiah chapter 40. Well-known verses. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. And rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all people will see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. You see, for them, in these words, these things were still to happen. And John the Baptist, who is promised here, did come. So, for us, that part has been completed. But there's still more things to come and more things to happen. So let's read on a few more verses, verse 10 and 11 of Isaiah 40. See, the sovereign Lord comes with power and he rules with a mighty arm. See, his reward is with him and his recompense accompanies him. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. You see, for them, this verse is a hope. But for us, it's a reality. Because we know the one who is spoken about here is Jesus, the one who is our good shepherd. Verse 15 of Isaiah 40. Surely the nations are like a drop in the bucket. They are regarded as dust on the scales. He weighs the islands as though they were fine dust. This is the one who will rule all nations with an iron scepter, the one who sits on his throne, the one that we're reading about in Revelation, in particular, this chapter 12 and verse 5. But let's stay with Isaiah for a few more moments. Isaiah 40, verse 21 to 22. Do you not know? Have you not heard? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood since the earth was founded? He sits enthroned above the circle of the earth, and its people are like grasshoppers. He stretches out the heavens like a canopy and spreads them out like a tent to live in. This verse here, do you not know? This is a rhetorical question that can be asked of us today as it was asked of the people in the days of Isaiah. God is, has always been, 
and always will be in control of everything, including what we read in Revelation. Because the bottom line is that it speaks of the supremacy and the authority of God. Isaiah 40, let's just take the few verses from the end of the passage this evening as we consider these things. Verse 27 through to 31. Why do you complain, Jacob? Why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord? My cause is disregarded by my God. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. And he will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even the youths grow tired and weary, and the young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Maybe you could read those few verses through again. Isaiah 40, 27, 31. But this time, maybe substitute the words Jacob and the word Israel for the word believer. Why do you complain, believer? Why do you say, believer, that my way is hidden from the Lord and my cause is disregarded by God? And maybe you could read it through and replace the words Jacob and Israel with your name. Let's just pray. Father, we thank you that you can speak to us through your word. And we pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you will have spoken to us tonight and that we will have been comforted as we read through this what can be a disturbing book of Revelation and that we might be reminded of who you are and that you are with us and you are there to encourage us. And we ask these things in the name of the one who you sent to be our saviour, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, all of this should comfort us and our comfort is in the one who is sovereign. Let me just read Romans 5 verse 17. For if by the trespass of one man death reigns through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man? Jesus Christ. I think we can all say amen to that.